You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. here last time okay all right sounds good um let's just open with a word of prayer so father i just thank you today that you are here we don't have to beg and plead for you to be here because you are here and you have made us that very promise you'll never leave us nor forsake us so i thank you lord and i just ask right now by your spirit that you would bring out what we need to hear today, and that the words of Paul would simply fall to the ground and and that of the Holy Ghost would be all that remains. So I thank you for your word, your word is truth, and that you would just open our eyes and just give us a fresh revelation today of, of your goodness. And I thank you, Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, last time I was here, I spoke about the, the kingdom of God and, and how that we enter into the kingdom of God by saying, Jesus, save me. Jesus, thank you for giving me life. And, and we believe in what he did. And God makes us part of his, his kingdom, and he gives us a purpose, and that is to expand his kingdom on earth. And that's in everything we do. And today, what God's put on my heart is that of, of, of marriage and family. And, 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 you know, for those that aren't married, there's still something there for you. What the Word has, it's like Jesus. He, he gave the bread, and when it was all done and they were filled, they brought back all the extra. And so there's something for everybody today, and, and, and hopefully something that you'll be kind of chewing on all week long. And if you don't agree with me, that's Okay. I simply say, study it for yourself in the word of the Lord until you come to the right conclusion. So I'm, I'm just a man, I make mistakes, but I'm just gonna share with you today what I believe out of the word of the Lord and, and the study that, that I have personally done. And in our culture today, we know, and for many years, we've had, had a, an attack upon everything from marriage to family, to sexual genders, I mean, give me a break. Uh, it's, uh, it's all an attack of hell, and sometimes we as Christians, we, we kind of buy into it. I mean, I remember driving by a church today and kind of seeing a, an umbrella, a rainbow, and it's like, you know, everybody's accepted or something like that, and everybody has extended the grace and the mercy of God, and it's up to them to come to the conclusion that God is right and follow after him. And so I will preach to people that think they're uh, this or that or whatever. I will love upon them. But when it comes to the word of the Lord, I will not apologize for what God said and what he has set up. So there's a male and female from Genesis chapter 2. We know that. And that's actually, I mean, I'm going to be in Genesis 2 and then into Ephesians chapter 5. And, uh, you know, we, we know the story. And if you don't, please read it. I always tell my people, uh, you know what the scriptures are today? Read it for yourself during the week and, and let the Holy Ghost bring out more of what you need to see and, and hear. But God formed man out of the dust of the earth and he blew life into him. 
And guess what? Later on down in the chapter, he said he formed the animals the same way. So men are just like the animals in that he kind of made some Play-Doh and kind of formed them into a man and then blew life into them. But when it came to woman, he did it a little bit differently. And the reason I say this is because I have, and I have today I have my iPad here, and if you don't know it, there's wonderful technology out there. You can go and you can find it where it has all the Greek and the Hebrew words. You don't have to know the language either. You just need to click on the number and it tells you what that word means. And, it, and it's awesome and I love it. And that's how I do a lot of my study. But in uh, see, Genesis 2, verse 18, it says, the Lord God said it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And we're gonna look at that in just a minute because I, I mean a helper just makes it sound like a, a plumber's assistant or a, a, you know, a carpenter's apprentice or, or something along those lines. But there's so much more to it that, um, that I know of and I just wanna share that with you. So the Lord God formed out of the ground all the animals, the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So again, all the animals. We all have pets and, or had pets and, and so forth, and, and they're nice and they're good and all that, but they're not the helper that is declared in the word of the Lord. And, and, and there's a difference. My wife said if I was gone, she'd have a dog. Well, as long as I'm here, you know, she don't need a dog. She don't need a dog. We have one little adopted cat from our daughter, uh, straight from the country of Columbia. But our, our little granddaughters are allergic, so we get the cat. And it's one of those that'll just kind of lick you for a bit and then bite. So, <clears throat> anyways, praise the Lord for animals. Okay, but then it says, and we know the story per se, but let's just read the, the verse here. Verse 21, the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, and he closed up the place with flesh, and then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of man, and he brought her to the man. And then the man said, now, this is my bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And that is the reason why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. And Adam and Eve were both naked and they felt no shame. And so the rib here. I, I saw earlier this week somebody was arguing on the internet that the word didn't mean rib, and, and if you look at it in Hebrew, it means rib or of the side, and so whatever it is, it's from on, of the side, you know? It's like there's stupid arguments that I won't even fight. It's just, whatever you wanna believe, go ahead and believe it. But there's a principle here that I usually teach young people, especially before they get married, and I think this is an important part when he made woman, it was different. It says he formed man out of the earth, but he built the woman. 
That's what the, the, the word means. He built the woman, he fashioned the woman. To me, it's as if he took extra time making the woman because there was a plan and there was a purpose. It also, it, it describes the, the same word as, as building a house or building an altar, something that takes a little more time and a little more effort, and, and that's how God made the woman. But I told my wife, I, I actually prepared her, I'm gonna use it for an illustration, because the, the word of the Lord said that God took the rib. Now there's a reason for it, I believe. And this is what I was taught many years ago and I've grabbed a hold of it and I believe it. God didn't choose a bone from the skull or the head so that woman could lord over man. At the same time, he didn't take one out of the foot so that man can trample all over woman. But instead, he chose the rib, therefore she can be close to his heart and under his arm of protection. Amen? That's something, I don't know if that's new to you or not, but that's, that's what I like to teach because that's how God designed it. She is a compliment to me. And I know from day one, God planned her. Because when I met her in college, I think I told you, it was either love or lust at first sight or both of them. It was just like, I want that woman. And God had already prepared her for me. So you can sit down there. Yeah. A lot of times I give her no warning, but I gave her a 10 minute warning here. To, and, uh, but there's, there's so much more to the, the helper. And this just was amazing. Again, if you study it, and I challenge you to study it, because you'll find out the, the Hebrew and then the root word of the Hebrew, and, it, and it's so amazing, because it means much more than just a helper or a help meet in the King James. It means one who is a companion who balances him, and she is a balance, I'll tell you. When I get overheated, I can be on the phone call and it starts to, I get a little upset. She can just put her hand upon my arm and I just settle on down. So God knew what I needed when he created my wife. The word means to save, to give aid, to minister, to encourage. Listen, my wife's all these things. There are times she ministers to me. I mean, she has a lot of wisdom of her own, and she says, I give you my wisdom so you can share with others. I, I try to get her to speak all the time, but the, she, she just says, you do the speaking, and I'll share with you what I know. But here's another one. A defender and a bodyguard. That's all what this word means when you look at help meet, helper. She's my bodyguard. She's one who gets my back. She knows my weaknesses and she still loves me and she doesn't share it with other people. You know, I've done a lot of things in life and I, and I used to own a trucking company and I'd have to fill in for the drivers and, and I went to a job site one day and all the truckers were standing around waiting to be unloaded and it was, come on over here. We're all complaining about our wives. I said, well, I have nothing bad to say about my wife. They didn't want me to talk to them anymore. I don't put her down, she doesn't put me down. 
She's my bodyguard. She's my defender. She ministers to me. She's my greatest cheerleader. And if a woman were to kind of put her eye on me, she'll take her out. (laughs) That gentle little thing, she will rise up because she's my bodyguard. And she takes care of me. And that's how God has designed it. And she is 43 years now. I tell people we're still in honeymoon stage and I don't know what any other stage is like. I'm passionate about her, I love her, and she loves me, and 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 that's never gonna change. Some may call it the mature mode, and I say, no, forget that. We're in honeymoon stage. I look forward to seeing every day something new about her, which it's like something that I never saw that before, or an expression, or or something she says, and and that ought to be, men, something that you see and pursue in your wife, and I hope you wives do the same thing in your husband. But uh, that, that just, we used to have a lady in the church that she was one of those that would like to come on and just give you a big old hug. And I had to push her away and say, listen, my wife and my daughters are the only one that could have hugged me like that. And it got to the point that she'd have to run interference between me. She, she walked in front of me as my protector till that lady was out of the church. I mean, we had to have some strong words with her that this is not appropriate and you quit doing it. Um, She ended up leaving the church, but if she wasn't gonna get right, so be it. Uh, Okay, you're quiet. I don't know if you're thinking this guy is crazy or what, but. You know, Ephesians chapter five, there's a lot of confusion in five. And we're gonna start in verse 22 in just a second. It talks about submission and sometimes people don't like the word submission. They don't understand the word submission. And, and so that's really what we're gonna be looking at today, that, that whole paragraph and what's before it and what's after it. Because as I look at the word of the Lord, I look at putting it in context to properly understand. I also look at what's called the law of first spoken or first sighting when you look at scripture, so that's why I go back to Genesis. And then there's also that of interpretation and understanding the words. That's why I do study it in the Greek and the Hebrew. And I can't give you any Greek or Hebrew names. I can just tell you the number if I look it up. That's how it's, it's important to look at the word of the Lord. And we need to remember that these were letters. They didn't have chapters, they didn't have numbers. And so sometimes the interpretation is we we see a verse and we don't tie it to the previous chapter or the previous paragraph, we tie it into the next one and there's confusion. So let let me just give you that example here right now. In verse 21, nope, verse 22. 21's the one we're gonna come back to. It says wives. Submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husband in everything. Now a lot of people don't like this. A lot of women don't like this passage. But I want to tell you that this is set up for protection. It is set up 
as order. And, and God has a headship, starting with Christ over the church, and the, and the husband is supposed to be the same thing over the wife, given her protection. And, and, and there's, there's supposed to be one head in a family, and, and two heads don't work. Two heads do not work. And you know, when, when I was brought up, I was brought up in the Catholic Church. The only thing I knew at that time was the holy, holy, holiness of God, and, and, and I didn't know anywhere how to approach him. Nobody told me. And it took a Baptist lady to kind of lead me to that age of 10, and, and it was like, wow, you need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when I got a hold of that, wow, I just, I got saved. And I remember that moment. I looked at your scriptures this morning in Psalm 51. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I pray that you remember the day you gave your life to Christ. For me, it was December 10th, 1970 at eight o'clock at night. God may have a different date in his book because he wrote it in the beginning of time. But uh, th that's what I remember. And I remember that moment and how it changed my life. And all I knew was I'm saved, I'm washed clean of my sin, and I'm not going to hell. What more does a 10-year-old need, huh? But that was what changed my life. But in that process, my mom got saved, my dad got saved, and, and uh, mom was kind of the head of the house. She was the head of the house. She was a good Catholic woman. She, she, she was strong. She was this and that. And, and it, it was, uh, I'm going to lead the way. But then when they got saved, and I'm not speaking bad about my parents. I'm just telling you the transition that took place. Dad tried to be the man of the house because now he was saved. Mom used to just take the kids to church and he would go and faithfully be there on Christmas and, and Easter. Uh, did what he did. He used to say he went to the confessional to tell the priest what he was getting ready to do before he did it. And so when he got saved, he's trying to be the head. Mom's trying to be the head. A little bit of struggle, a little bit of fight, until she finally said, dear, lead the way. I'll submit to you. And the, the, the thing about submission is no man has the right, nor can you, make a woman submit to you. That is out of the wife. The instruction is to the wife here. Wives, submit yourself to your husband. It's not the command of the husband to make your wife submit. And it's only that one instruction that's given to the women. But if you go on and read the rest of the chapter, it's all the instruction to the man. The men get the whole list of what we're supposed to do, everything from loving our wives and laying our lives down for them and, and cherishing them and, 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 and just keeping them holy and pure, just like Jesus does for the church. So the instruction of men is so much higher than, or so much more than it is to the wives. But with this submission, the only man in this world that my wife has to submit to, choose to submit to, is me. She didn't have to submit to any other man on this planet. And I think that needs to be understood by, by there's just a lot of teaching in churches and I'm, I don't know nothing about your church per se and I know nothing about you guys. That's why I love to come and let the Holy Spirit do whatever he's gonna do. Uh, I have pastors sometimes that wanna tell me everything that's going on in the church and I have to say, no, no, please stop, 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 stop. I don't wanna know a thing. 
I just want to come in and preach Christ Jesus and, and, and let, let things, let the Holy Spirit do the work. With that submission, women, this has nothing to do with value, putting down of women, but it's for protection. A, a boy and a girl, a boyfriend, I remember a young man years ago that, uh, you know, he's, he's living with his girlfriend and he just happened to say, well, she won't submit to me. And you know what my response was? She doesn't have to. Matter of fact, until you make a commitment with her, walk her down the aisle and, and put a ring on her finger, uh, all you're doing is making her your concubine. She don't have to submit to you. Matter of fact, if I were speaking to the woman, I'd say, dump them and leave. Dump them and leave. And then on the man on the other side, I would say to the young man or anyone, if you're looking for a submissive wife, look for one. And how do you do it? You look to see her relationship with her dad. Is she submissive to her dad? Is she submissive to her parents? Does she honor and respect them? And if she doesn't, then you just better run away. Because if she's not submissive to the ones who gave life, she's certainly not gonna be submissive to a husband and, and you're gonna have a, a, a struggle. And you know, God has brought this into my life the last couple of years building houses and different things that we do during the week to earn our, our, our living. <clears throat> God has given me, wow, the opportunity to confront some very strong-headed women. It, it's, it's been about, the, about probably the most difficult season in my life, and I think he's saying, Paul, you need a little, know how to navigate through this grounds here, so I'm gonna give you example after example until you finally <laughs> learn how to deal with it. But the, the, these women are, the, that I've been dealing with are so strong and domineering and their husbands are these massive giants that are just kind of walking around like wimps. And it's, oh, yes dear, yes dear, yes dear. And, 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 and I, when I address the man, he, he all of a sudden is referring it back to the woman and it's like, what is going on here? And uh, it, it, it's just been crazy. And so there's been some headbutting and so forth, and she don't have to submit to me, but she does have to submit to her husband of her own choice. So that, that's kind of a, a summation of, of where it's talking about. And the reason I bring this out is God has designed the answer to society from the beginning of time, and when we walk it out, when we demonstrate a life that is lined up with the word of the Lord, people may not like what we have to give them, but they're gonna say, wow, there's something different going on in their life. You know, everything I've tried has fallen apart, and, and uh, they seem to be getting something right. Matter of fact, I, I, that's why I also look when it talks about the qualifications of an overseer of the church, uh, one of the first qualifications is relationship to a wife and, and being faithful to that woman. And, and that's one of the highest callings there is when it comes to being an overseer of the church. It didn't say when they understand every aspect of every scripture, but first, the relationship to their wife and the faithfulness to that woman and, 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 uh, and their children, that they love the Lord and they're not greedy and, and, and they're loving and the whole list but that's why the, it's so incredibly important that we live what we're 
supposed to live according to God's word. And if we don't understand it, uh, we need to dig into the word here and find out. So I talked about submission in that previous verse. This is where some people say, you know, we got this dual submission going on. Submit to one another out of reverence of Christ. But brothers and sisters, the confusion here is this is the conclusion of the previous paragraph and you have to understand that it's, it doesn't start the paragraph with this verse 21, it starts the paragraph with verse 22. And so to order to understand it, you have to go back to verse 15 and, and Paul brings out to the church three distinctions and then he follows it up really with what you're, what you're supposed to do, a command of the Lord. And it says, be careful how you live, not as the unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So there, there's three distinctions that he's bringing out to us of how we're supposed to operate. And then he says, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now the word submission is a military term, that, that I submit my rank under authority. And so as Paul, my authority, I yield unto my king. Jesus Christ is my head. He, he is, he's my Lord. And we all have to do that, but in a marriage setting, I have to do it first. And, and when the instruction is given to a woman, be submitted unto your husband as unto the Lord, I look at it as, as I am submitted to the Lord, she is to be submitted to me. And if I just say one day, hey, let's go rob a bank together, then all of a sudden, listen, she does not have to submit to me to do evil. Matter of fact, she ought to be scolding me and saying, uh, let's not do it. Uh, one, one of the wonderful things about my wife, we are different. What's, you know, her strengths are my weaknesses and vice versa. But in my early years of marriage, we got married at the age of 20. I mean, at 20, you know everything. Right out of college, you know, our associate's degree and so forth were, all we had was a TV and a 1975 Cordoba. And so that's all we had. And the rest of it was just love. Uh, but three years into our marriage, I'm thinking, I'm gonna change this woman. I'm gonna make her submit to me. Boy, that was hell on earth. And what, what God really laid upon my heart was really the idea of, you know, you dummy, leave your wife alone and focus upon yourself and make her the man that she wants you to be and all the rest will follow along. And I have to say that to everyone today, that that's really the case. If you're having a problem with your spouse or something, you know, be honest with one another about it, but ultimately work upon yourself. You know, it's usually when the preacher's preaching, we're, we're poking the other one. Hey, this one's for you, uh-huh. No, and in essence, it's for all of us, and, and it's probably speaking the loudest to us, and we're ignoring it. Um, so 
don't ever try to tra change your spouse. I call her, you know, there's an old song, every woman in the world to me, and I call her my fantasy, my reality. I don't need another woman. I've never been with another woman but her. And that's not a boasting per se, but I want to tell you the reason behind that. If, if, if you young people have not entered into a relationship, you see, to me, she is the best lover, the best wife, the best everything to me because I have no comparisons. The world teaches, have as much fun as you want to with every person you possibly can, and then when you get old enough, ready to settle down, find somebody you want to settle down with. And that is foolishness, especially in the house of God. And I'm thankful for the grace of God when, when, we, when, you know, when, we've, when we've deviated and we've sinned, he's long-suffering. And the blood of Jesus still washes us clean and he restores and he, and, he, and he gives us that grace and that mercy to rebound. So don't ever feel condemned of your past. If there's condemnation, it's from you and the devil. Because the Holy Ghost will convict, but he's not gonna condemn. And so we may say the devil made me do it. No, he didn't, we did it, we sinned, we lusted. That's what it tells us in the word. We conceived and we made sin come to pass. He may have given a few tidbits of distraction, but ultimately we did it. And then when it comes down to the condemnation, we are our own worst enemy. Sometimes we don't believe the word of the Lord when it says as far as the east is from the west, our sin has been removed. That means it's no longer to be looked at, it's no longer to be brought up before our eyes, look what I saved you from. That's not the God that I served. And isn't it amazing that God knew this planet? He already knew there was a North Pole and a South Pole, there was an ending point, but as far as the East is from the West, there, there, it's just, there's no ending. So even from the beginning, when it was written there in Psalms, God already had everything in place and everything lines up and you cannot find a mistake in the book and if you do, it's because you don't understand it. And if there are verses that look like one is in opposition to the other, no, you need to understand the background, you understand, need to stand, understand why it was spoken, and, and when you get an understanding, oh wow, there is no contradiction. This was for that application, and this one was for that. And uh, when the word of the Lord doesn't sit right with you, we're the problem, because we just don't understand God's word. And, and matter of fact, I'll throw this out to you. A wise pastor taught me back when I was in my 30s, just starting out in ministry, and he said, I wanna tell you right off the bat that 90, if not 95% of all people's problems are one of two things. He said, I could sit down with them in five minutes and tell them where they're at. And it's either ignorance of God's word or disobedience to God's word and that will catch most of our problems. We don't understand what God is saying, we, we, we just don't know his word, or we know his word and we just say, I have a better way. And I, that is the result of most of our problems. And it's not the devil on our back. No, unless you're the Apostle Paul and you're getting ready to break open a nation for Christ, you know, the, the devil just kicks back in his armchair and just laughs at us. 
And I usually tell my people, I'm not just telling you that, you know, and I do tell my people, devil's not supposed to be on your back, he's supposed to be under your feet. He's under your feet because you know your word and you know who you are in Christ Jesus. He's under your feet. And no attack will stop you if God has intended for you to do something. Now, I firmly believe that. I leave that up to you to, to believe for yourself. You know, I'm not gonna die one day short. It's already written in the book. I'm gonna fulfill everything God tells me and, and laid aside for me to do, and then when it's over, it'll be time to be with him. So I'm not worried about life. I'm not. I desire a long life. They told her from the beginning I wanted to leave 75 years with her. I used to watch Paul Harvey, and then he'd be announcing this uh, couple that's been together for 60 and 70 and 80 years old. I think 82 was the longest one I ever heard, and they're way out in South Dakota somewhere where they probably had no neighbors for miles. But if that's what it takes to keep a marriage together, I guess we all better be moving to those locations. So, I don't know, where was I? I got off track. What's that? Submit. Oh, the submit, we're still in the submit, okay. So, <laughs> so the idea here of submit, yeah, that's, she's my helper, she's my follower, my minister, my encourager. So, in that submitting, it is saying, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to recognize the authority in our life and we're supposed to submit to it. So then from there, the next passages make sense. Wives, submit to your husband. Children, submit to your parents. Even slaves, submit to your masters. It all goes together from verse 21. Verse 21 becomes the covering for the next two chapters. And so there's no dual headship in a household. They're not supposed to be in a Christian marriage. Two-headed monsters, kill them. It don't work that way. And that doesn't mean my wife doesn't have a say, but we're, we're in agreement, and if it came down to it, she supports my decision, and if she don't think it's right, then it's, oh Lord. Show Paul the errors of his ways or the direction you really want him to go. Yeah, my wife has never been one to henpeck me or whatever the words are they use nowadays. Give me a hard time, she'll challenge me. She knows my spirit, she doesn't wanna change my spirit and I'm thankful for that. She knows what she got and I'm still the same 20 year old that she married all those years ago. And I'm still gonna, even if I need a walker, I'll be chasing her around at age 90. Uh, it's just in my nature and who I am. I'm still that character. Any of you ever go to your high school reunions, 30 years, 40 years, etc. It's comical when you do, and you still see that teenage character coming out of those individuals. Uh, it's, uh, you may not even know their name, but all of a sudden, I know who you are, just by the, we don't change very much. We really don't. So in, in the marriage relationship, if you're gonna enter into marriage, I always say you better just know what you're getting right from the beginning, and, and, and you know, God may modify I mean, I'm the revised version of what I was 43 years ago. Um, God is making me better. And uh, 
I'm not perfect. And there are times I've made her sad. I've made decisions without including her, thinking I was protecting her. And, and then when I, when I hurt her, it just, it just about killed me because it was like, oh, this was never the intention to hurt her, but rather protect her. And so I, I've made some foolish decisions like that in life. So I'm, I'm not telling you I've done everything per- perfect, but we have, all have something to learn until the day we die and we're being perfected for, for, by Christ until that day. And we just need to be continued to be open and continue to learn. And this is what the world needs to see right now. They need to see marriages that work. They want to see it, people. They truly want to. They still may not. It's like your faith. I mean, this is a demonstration of faith. This is how you minister to Christ by demonstrating in marriage Christ is the head. And, and we, we submit in the order that God intended and, and we declare our faith openly through our marriage and then with our family at the same way. You know, children's run the household nowadays. I got, a, I got a young man that works for me. He's 15 year old, 16 now, and he thinks he knows everything. And I said, you know what? I was 16 once too. And I was just as stupid as you are. And he's disobedient to his mom and disobedient to his dad and even punched his mom, I'll tell you that. And I hate that. He's a strong little beast, but I just told him, you ever punch your mom, I'll be punching you. And you'll also be fired. Because that same character that you have in your own household, if you won't submit to your parents, you're not gonna submit to me as your employer and as your pastor. I am his pastor. I preached in South America. This was a crazy thing. God laid the same message on, in South America to me. They were getting ready to have a wedding right after the service, and so it kind of set the scene. And I was telling them that, uh, you know, there are a lot of men in the house that were abusing their wives and or girlfriends, and I give them two choices. Either come up here and repent, or meet me out in the alley and we'll deliver you by the five-fold ministry. And, and, and it was the greatest altar call I had, and they were all standing there trembling before me as, as, as we prayed for them, and they didn't know if I was getting ready to hit them or just lay hands upon them and pray. But it, it also, not knowing what was going on behind the scene, this, again, this is how the Holy Ghost works. The pastor was having an affair with the church secretary. And in the weeks to come, it was exposed and he and his wife got divorced. So you never know what is happening in the lives of people when you get to be a guest speaker anywhere. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's happening here, people. That's just an illustration of, of when you let the Holy Ghost do the work, there may be just simple statements, uh, scripture that, that is impacting people in different ways. But again, it, it, it is a scene I'll never forget because as those men were trembling before them, the other thing I did was you know, I prayed for many of them, and the ones whom God put it on my heart, I would just give them a big bear hug. And, and some of them had never got a hug from their dad in their life, and they never knew what a, what a, what a daddy bear hug is like. And, you know, our, our, our kids to this day, you know, my dad was that same way, folks. For our anniversary, we went to Florida, and I got the privilege, we got the privilege of seeing 
my last remaining uncle on my dad's side and, and one of my uncles and aunts on my mom's side and they filled in a lot of blanks in the family history. I found out we have a lot of nuts on both sides of the tree and we all do. But it was also, wow, by the grace of God, here I am. I mean, how did I escape some of the stuff in the family? It was just crazy. But it also, it showed in my family history, those who followed the Lord and those who didn't follow the Lord and had no understanding of the Lord and the devastation that took place in different family members' lives. And when you do follow the Lord, wow, you may stumble fall down, but you get back up, you keep doing that, you keep turning back to the Lord, and, and, and uh, you know, he's gonna lead you all the way to your life. And when you get off the path, he's, he's just gonna you know, help you back on, because that's how wonderful he is. And if you're just darn stubborn and rebellious, he's gonna let you fall into the pit if necessary, and then he'll be there to rescue you the moment you cry out to him. Marriage life, listen folks, it's the same way if you've hurt your spouse, the greatest thing you can say is, forgive me, and then follow it up with the action of never doing it again. Because that's, that seals that forgiveness. I'll never do it again. And that's the same response unto our God. We ask him for repentance. Repentance is not just an act of tears in a, in a prayer, we know that in the word. It's, it's the action of the heart and the moving away from that which we're told not to do. And God is ready there with arms wide open wide, just wanting to restore us, even to the last moment. And I was, I was saying about that, that uncle. I learned out one, one of my uncles, the reason why he never got married in life was he, he was abused as a young boy. One of his, his uncles came back from the war and messed up after whatever war it was, I think it was World War II, and, you know, molested him and so forth, and because of that, it just, you know, never got married. He's, he's a man, he's, he's at the Catholic Church, and, you know, I've been telling him of the love of the Lord, and it's, you know, it's more than just the Catholic Church, and, you know, I, I told him, I don't care if you're Catholic or Protestant, if you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. And so I've just been, but what happened to my Uncle Bob is, he never got a hug. My dad never got a hug. My dad never really hugged me. And so now I'm kind of the hugger. And my kids are even more expressive with one another. So there's a transition once you kind of break out of that prison cell that you've been living in. And so with my Uncle Bob there a few years ago when I first saw him after many, many years, I just gave him a big hug and just said, I love you, Uncle Bob. And that's, that's what broke his heart. That's just what broke him down because he never heard anybody say, I love you. And, and all the abuse and the things that he faced in life that I never knew about. But it was as if he was just trying to confess them to me, like he'd go to the priest and get it off his heart. And I've been, just been able to share with him the love of the Lord. And, and then even on this past trip, sharing some more details that it was an incredible thing. But what I'm telling you in all of this mess, because I usually serve a smorgasbord meal and you can kind of take what you want. We don't know, first of all, even when we put our smiles on and we come to church, what's happening in that person's world, what they've gone through in their life, 
what they have lived with. You know, I was so saddened that my Uncle Bob lived with that pain for 75 plus years. Uh, and, and so just for him just to have that release and, and, and let, let God just minister to him. I, I had, a, I had a, a lady in her 80s that uh, she wanted to get right with the Lord and she confessed to me how that at a young age, and this was, think about it, many years back, she had an abortion and, for, and she was for 60 years, she was living with that regret and that pain and, and, and there was just nobody to just kind of share it with because just, she just felt that she'd be condemned and, and uh, you know, looked down upon for her action. And, and, and so again, just, just sharing the scripture, you know, she got set free even before she died. And if any of you are suffering with a traumatic industry, industry, incident, an injury, surrender it to the Lord God and let him heal your soul. You ask him to save you. Can you have confidence in him also to redeem you and restore you and, 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 and make you a better version of who you are because of the Spirit? You know, the only gentleness you'll see in Paul is not my feminine side. This is my feminine side. I was taught that in psychology class when I was in college. Oy. By a lesbian who was the queen, the hobo queen in Brit. So that was kind of a, a few years ago. She was, she was quite the cat. Um, I got a D in the class because I wouldn't agree with her teaching. But... <laughs> The only feminine side or the only gentleness you see in Paul is of the Holy Ghost. I'm a man. I'm flesh and blood. I make mistakes, just like the men we read about in the book. Adam, do we sometimes think that he's somewhat different than us? Do we, do we look on to Moses and, and all the characters of the Bible and do we look at them something different than you and I? They were flesh and blood like you and I with passions and desires and, and every opportunity of, of, of temptation. They're flesh and blood just like us. Those disciples that Jesus chose, did he chose men that were confused whether or not they were a man or not? No, he chose men that were hardworking, they were tough, they were strong. They could face pain and just keep on trucking. And he instilled that to these men and put his gentleness of the Holy Ghost in them. Ha, transforming them, just like he does for you and I as we yield to him. Anything you're struggling with, just say, Lord Jesus, deliver me. Set me free, I can't stand it anymore. And I'll guarantee you when you approach the Lord with that type of a prayer, he will abound, the scripture says. He'll hug you, he'll embrace you, he will not turn you away. He's not but worried about what you did, because he already loves you. And he's not gonna love you one ounce more. He already loves you with all of our problems and our weaknesses and our failures, he still loves us. He already knows what we're gonna do tomorrow. And I think, oh my Lord, you already know, but yet you still love me. 
you know my shortcomings, but yet you still love me and you're still leading me on and you're desiring the best and you're gonna instruct and, and just provide and be faithful to me. So I'm gonna conclude in this manner. I was mentioning to your worship leader that if she wanted to sing and something and we don't need music per se, but it's wonderful if she would like to minister and whoever else. If you need prayer today, I'd be honored to pray with you. I'm not the Savior, but I know the Savior. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord, that's a great place to start. And all you have to do is say, Father, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. And I ask your forgiveness. Forgive me, heal me, save me. I don't care what words you say. God already knows, because the thief on the cross, he was there. He didn't make him say a prayer. He just simply said, today you're gonna be with me in paradise because he saw the man's heart, and it was repentant, and it was, he believed in who the king of kings was. So if you need that, you need prayer for something that happened in your life, you need prayer over your marriage, I'd just be honored to take it to the Lord with you. community church including gathering times and events please visit us at praisecc.org